The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 91 Miracles 1883 March 17th Denver, Colorado On Saturday morning, two miracles occurred. Once they were discovered, many people argued as to exactly what had happened. Some insisted it was indeed divine intervention that proved prostitution was against the will of God. Others claimed that there had to be a logical explanation. It must have been a trick, like those done by stage magicians. Penthesilea claimed the city got what it wanted, and probably less than it deserved. The first of the miracles was this. When the sheriff came to the brothel to find out what Aphrodite's decision had been, he found the brothel was gone. Not just empty. The entire building was missing, and in its place stood a tall oak tree and a park bench. It stood there between the furniture store and the feed and grain, as if it had been there for a hundred years. Many people speculated as to how this could have occurred. Several insisted the tree had always been there, just inside the brothel, covered by its walls so no one could see it. Others pointed out the tree was taller than the brothel, and if it had been there the whole time, it would have come through the roof. Also, there wasn't enough space to house both the upstairs rooms where the men would spend their nights with the girls, and the branches of the tree that would have been in their way. Some people said that it was possible that the tree had grown in a large pot. Then, once the brothel was dismantled, a hole could have been dug and the tree placed into the hole and covered up so it looked like it had been there a hundred years, but really it was planted that night. The thick roots that wove their way in and out of the packed hard ground proved this theory also impossible. Reverend Montgomery claimed that the tree was an act of witchcraft and if anyone were to see Lady Venus again, they should stay clear of the wicked woman. The mystery was never solved. The only clue left behind was a small plaque on the park bench that read, I leave you with a place of peace for those who need it. Lady Venus. It was suggested that the tree be cut down and the land be sold off. The land was still owned by Lady Venus, and no one knew where she went, so the tree and the park bench remained. Later, a rumor began circulating among schoolchildren that if you were to carve your name and the name of the person you loved into a heart on the trunk of the tree, then you would be fated to marry and live happily ever after. Most people didn't notice the second miracle, and no one really talked about it, but a blacksmith's shop also disappeared. Paris sat in a rocking chair on the front porch of the Walker farm, a rifle across her lap as she watched a man sitting on a horse just outside of the gates. Penthesilia was standing next to her. What's he doing? she asked Paris. He's watching us, Paris replied. For what? I don't know, but I don't like it. Shall we ask him what he wants? If he wanted anything, he'd come in and get it. So what do you think he's doing? Counting. Us? Yeah. He has to be some sort of scout, probably keeping track of everybody who's coming and going. If prostitution is illegal now, and all the girls are here, I would bet you anything he's keeping track of how many men go in and out of the farm. If he can prove 
that we're breaking the law, he's probably here to tell the sheriff. Richard, that bastard. It seems bigger than that, Celia. Richard doesn't have the connections to write a new law just to get to you. William? He has the money, but somehow I think it's bigger than him now. You wanted a war. I think you have one. Shit. We need to call a war council. I'll get the girls together. Noon, in the kitchen. I want you there. I'll send Cassandra out here to keep an eye on him for you. No. Send Cassandra to get Florence and Lewis. I understand Florence, but why Lewis? They're using the law against us. We're going to need him to defend ourselves. Fucking William! If he can't win a game, he changes the goddamn rules. All right. Stay here. I'll send Cassandra out to get them. When everybody's ready, I'll come get you and just keep an eye on that jackass out there for me. Celia sat at the head of the farmhouse dining table. At the table with her was Naomi, Thalia, Paris, Felicia, Cynthia, Candace, Alone, and Mary. Lewis sat at the foot of the table. All eyes were on him as he shuffled through several papers set in front of him. Taking off his glasses, he set them down before speaking. Prostitution is just the beginning. The real problem going forward is they want to have some kind of ban on gambling. Kind of ban? What does a kind of ban mean? Penthesilia asked. It means that in order to legally take bets within the city limits on any type of event, or even run a scarrow table, you have to have a license from the city clerk. Which they're not going to give us. Probably not. But it wouldn't really matter, because in order to be able to stage a boxing event, you now need an event license from the city, with both fighters needing to be able to pass a physical from the same doctor the prostitutes would have to go to. A city license they won't give us, and a physical they won't let the whiskey girl pass. I don't even think the doctor would be willing to see her. That's just not fair, added Paris. What about the title? Won't they have to let me box in order to defend the title? If you don't defend the title in six months, it reverts back to the city, and they can choose who to give it to after that. So they're just going to let the time run out? There's nothing we can do. Can we sue them for not letting us work? Well, there's a problem with that. Legally speaking, they didn't say you can't box or hold boxing events. What they did say is that you need to be licensed to do so, and to be able to pass a physical, so legally you can. Except we can't get that license, and they won't let me pass the physical. Exactly. But we would need to be able to prove they're denying the license for the sole reason that you are you. Or say, because you're not bribing them. But to do that, we would have to be able to bring them to the state for misconduct and corruption which would be very hard to prove. We would need years of evidence showing both a pattern of denying you these licenses and a pattern of them granting them to themselves and the people who paid them off. Evidence that simply doesn't exist yet. Also, we're not really sure whether it ever will. The point of this is not to make money off of other people, it's to make sure you don't make money. So it would be very difficult to catch them taking bribes they may not be taking. What are our options? Penthesilia asked. When the back door to the farmhouse opened, 
Everyone looked up as Cassandra rushed in. She ran through the kitchen and ran through the sitting room. She came back with a chair, and everyone at the table readjusted to accommodate the new spot. When everyone was set, she didn't sit down. She just looked towards the back door as Florence entered. She was dressed all in black. She walked with her head up until she sat gracefully in the chair Cassandra had provided. Sarah stood behind her, and Cassandra took her place behind Paris. Florence! I'm glad you could make it. Is everything okay? Penthesilia said as she pointed to the black garment. I've never been better. Why do you ask? Um, the black dress. Are you in mourning? Oh, that. Yes. It would seem my husband passed away this morning, and now I have to wear this dreadful color the rest of the year. Truly, a waste of fabric. I think I shall cheat and wear it for maybe a month. Who's really going to complain? The mayor's dead? asked Lewis. He was last I saw him. I'm assuming he hasn't gotten any better. What happened? Aloni asked. He was in his bed this morning when his heart stopped, which is unfortunate because I was going to send him to visit family in St. Louis. Florence winked. Aloni blushed and no one asked any more questions. I assume you know what's going on, but... If you need us to recap, the city has outlawed prostitution, gambling, and boxing, Penthesilia said, dropping her head down in exhaustion. Not exactly outlawed, Lewis pointed out. Yes, I know what's going on, and I have a proposal. I want the prostitutes, Florence explained. Why, what are you going to do with them? asked Penthesilia. As a widow... It is expected of me to spend my time and my money supporting charity. I plan on opening the Kenneth Cook Memorial Home for Wayward Christian Girls in honor of my late husband. You want to reform them? Oh, God, no. I think they're perfect just the way they are. But the city wants to shut down the brothel, then we'll open up the exact opposite. A charity. And all of the money that comes into the charity will be donations. Donations that allow you to sponsor a girl. The more you pay, the more time you sponsor your girl for. It would only be polite for a generous sponsor to be allowed to spend some time in the company of that girl, talking or discussing scripture or whatever else they think would help the girl on her road to recovery. That is a plan and a half. Lewis, will that work? Naomi asked. It would be legally difficult to prove that the charity was fake. Even if some of the girls got caught sleeping with their patrons, an argument could be made that they personally had a relapse and it wasn't indicative of the charity as a whole. Just as an indiscretion by an individual who admittedly has a problem in specifically this area and are seeking help, specifically from the charity, Lewis explained. I can work with that. I'll handle vetting the patrons and assigning the girls. Where is this home going to be? The mayor's mansion. It's big enough, and now there's just me living there. I would be honored if the girls would all come and live with me. Are you okay with this? The girls can get a little... spirited. You want us all living with you? <laughs> oh, yes. It has been a dream of mine since I was young to live at the brothel. I would be happy for you all to come. If you wanted to live at the brothel, you could have done that a long time ago. No, I don't think you understand, 
I don't want to be a prostitute. I wanted to trade my fortune to live there as a customer. Oh, God, it feels so good just to say that. Well, any time you need a girl, you just ask. <laughs> that won't be necessary. I have wasted no time. I am already engaged and plan to arrange a wedding as soon as I can. You're engaged? To who? asked Naomi. To me, Sarah said, standing behind her. Sarah? asked Cassandra. Yes, she asked me this morning, and I said yes. Congratulations to both of you. This calls for a celebration. Whiskey girl, go get some of the bottles of Applejack from the still. Alone, let's start supper. You both have to stay. The Amazon needs a reason to celebrate, and I think this is the best one I can think of. Penthesilia ordered as Paris and Cassandra got up and ran out the back door. Everyone began moving at once, hugging Sarah and congratulating Florence. Louis pulled Penthesilia aside, taking her into the sitting room before he began to speak. The charity is a good idea, but it's got more potential than I think Florence realizes. Boxing matches made you a lot of money. But most of that money came from the gambling. It's the gambling you're going to miss. But if we do it under the umbrella of the charity, then you're not gambling, you're holding a charitable ball. Technically, there won't be any gambling going on. So what are you proposing? Casino night. Cupid sat at an outdoor cafe along the street on a cool Paris morning. Is there anything else I can get you? Anything at all? The waitress asked Psyche, as she bowed slightly, holding her arms crossed over her chest, pushing her cleavage up, giving Psyche an unobstructed view. Thank you, but I think what we have will be fine, Psyche replied. Are you sure, miss? There are chocolate croissants, fresh from the oven. They are decadent and shouldn't be missed. Why don't I bring you one? On me, the waitress begged. The lady said we're fine, Cupid insisted his green eyes sparkling in the sun. But do you have enough coffee? Maybe you'd prefer tea. The waitress continued ignoring Cupid and talking directly to Psyche. Psyche smiled. You're so sweet, my dear. What's your name? My friends call me Frankie. You can call me Frankie if you want to, the waitress replied. Cupid groaned as he took from his coat pocket a small tin case. Opening it up, he pulled from it a tiny blowgun and a dart. Frankie, I think you have a customer at the counter, Cupid said, as he pointed toward the inside of the cafe to the hostess table. The waitress turned around to look at the girl waiting. Cupid placed the blowgun to his lips and shot a dart into the waitress's neck. Her hand came up, touching her neck and knocking the dart out. I'm, I'm sorry, I have to go, she said, and then she ran to the front of the shop. That wasn't fair. I was enjoying the attention, Psyche complained. My friends call me Frankie, Cupid mimicked. All these years, and you still go into a jealous rage every time somebody gives me the time of day. I wasn't enraged. I did her a favor. You weren't available, but that other girl might be. And what if that other girl has a boyfriend or husband? Now that poor waitress will be desperately in love forever with someone she can't have all because she paid me a little bit of attention one morning. Fine. I will rectify the situation, Cupid said as he took another dart from its case. 
Once again, he raised the blowgun to his lips. He watched the waitress lead the girl through the cafe to a table of her own. She sat down, and as the waitress asked her if there was anything she could get her, Cupid once again fired his blowgun. This time, catching the unexpected girl in the arm, without thinking, the woman brushed the dart aside, then lifted her hand gently, caressing the back of the waitress's hand. For a moment, they both stopped talking and began staring into each other's eyes. There. Now they're hopelessly in love with each other. Everything should work out fine. Unless she actually did have a boyfriend. Well, if she did, he can find someone else. Those two are now fated to be together. (laughs) Shall we wait around to see what happens when he shows up for lunch with his girlfriend who is now in love with the waitress? How do you know she's not dining alone? I'll bet you she's not. A bet? (laughs) I love a good bet. What shall we wager? Hmm. Okay, if I win, you have to spend the rest of the day doing everything I say. And if I win? I will forgive you for being a jealous little green monster. You love me for being a jealous little green monster. I love you for many, many reasons. The jealousy I could do without. You say that, but I don't think it's true. If I win, I want you to admit you love me exactly as I am deal. Psyche held out her hand for Cupid to shake, but instead he leaned in and kissed her. Hermes stepped over the small fence that separated the outdoor cafe from the street. He sat in an empty chair across from Cupid and Psyche. He pulled Cupid's plate over to himself and began to eat his sandwich. Cupid broke the kiss and looked at him. No, by all means, enjoy. Not that I can get another one. The waitress is occupied. Cupid looked over to the waitress, who was now sitting with the other girl at her table. Hey, thanks. Your generosity is always appreciated, and that's why you're my favorite brother. I'm not your brother. I'm your cousin. Now, why are you here? Why am I ever anywhere? Hermes replied as he took another bite of sandwich. He chewed it slowly before swallowing. I have a message for you. He removed from a leather satchel at his side a folded piece of paper with a wax seal on it. Cupid took the paper Looking up at the seal, his eyes narrowed. His lips came in until they could not be seen. He opened the note and began to read. What is it, my love? Psyche asked. Paris is so boring. We've been here, what, fifty years? Have you considered moving? We could go to Italy. I've heard some very good things about Australia these days. You want to move? But I love Paris. The city is so beautiful. The people are so friendly and kind. I think your being here has an amazing effect on them. This is my home. Let's stay a little longer. Yes, but consider Australia. I've heard they have tiny bears that do nothing but eat leaves all day. (laughs) I, I don't want to go to Australia. How about China? No, what was in the letter, Cupid? Psyche demanded. Ugh, my mother is coming. Aphrodite? Won't that be wonderful, though? It's been so long since we've seen her. I think it would be nice to see her again. Can you imagine Paris hosting both gods of love? There can't be anything nicer than that. That's just it. She'll ruin it. She does this every time. I'll find a nice place to live, I'll make it my home, and it becomes a place of peace and love. Then she shows up. Within a year, 
There's a brothel on every street and a cabaret on every corner, blasting music at all hours of the night until everyone just stumbles into the streets drunk looking for another orgy. You saw what she did to New Orleans. She thinks she's doing everyone a favor. She sees it as liberating. But every time I find a nice place to live, she comes in and turns it into a sexual apocalypse. You're being a little overdramatic. She's not that bad. You just don't want to share your little city. I don't want to live in the same city as that woman. I would prefer not to be in the same continent. Are you sure I can't talk you into Australia? They have these giant rabbits with tinier rabbits in their stomachs. No. And we have a bet going. If I win, you have to stay here in this city until your mother arrives. You'll be cordial to her and say hi. You'll give her a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Then we'll go anywhere you want. If you win. We have yet to see if you will. Cupid replied. What are you betting on? We're betting on whether or not the girl over there, talking to the waitress, has a boyfriend. Explained Psyche. Would you like me to find out? You could do that for us? Sure. Hermes said as he stood and walked over to the woman and then pulled from his satchel a pen and a blank piece of paper. Madam, I am Hermes, messenger of the gods, and if you wish, I can take a letter instantly across the city to a boyfriend, significant other... Hermes explained. What? the woman asked once she finally broke eye contact with the waitress. Is there anything you'd like to say to anyone that is not here at this cafe right now? As a matter of fact, there is. The woman took the paper and the pen from Hermes. She began to write a quick note. It said, Leon, it's over. Catherine. Hermes took the piece of paper, folded it neatly, and then from his satchel took his seal. He pressed it into the paper, and a wax seal was left behind, despite the fact he carried no wax or candle. He walked back to Cupid and Psyche, sat back down. He held the paper in his hand and touched it to his forehead. She does have a boyfriend. Or she did. I think this letter means she just dumped him. But that's okay, because right now... Hermes looked up into the sky, as if seeing something else. He is sleeping with her best friend in their bed at an apartment across town. There. Everything is going to work out for the better now. She dumped a cheating boyfriend. She found the love of her life. That's what I live for, insisted Cupid. But you still lost the bet, Psyche countered. All right, you win. We will have dinner with my mother. Then we're moving to Australia. Fine, agreed. Psyche lifted her glass. Cupid looked for his glass, but found it in Hermes's hand. What? Hermes asked as he drank the last of Cupid's wine. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. 
the proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.